Hi, folks, and welcome to the 50th podcast edition of Weber's Whipping Post, coming to you from sunny Arizona. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you tuned in to listen. Today's podcast is called We Are Being Besieged. But before I begin, let's pay some bills. This podcast is brought to you by Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology. Celebrating 30 years in practice, Dr. Hoffman specializes in general musculoskeletal conditions, neurology, sports injuries, acupuncture, electrodiagnostics, and comprehensive wellness management. Dr. Hoffman provides exceptional care for patients of all ages, from infants to elderly, from expectant moms to athletes. Dr. Hoffman's goal is to provide all patients a tailored treatment plan based on an extensive history, a thorough exam, and, of course, x-rays. Contact Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology for more information or to schedule at 815-937-0446. You know, with the upcoming election, liberals are not going to like this. If one puts any stock in polls, Rasmussen, a common polling organization, recently asked 749 likely voters, which people do you respect most as a leader? They used the names of Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Mitt Romney. Not sure why the heck they used Romney, but they did. Well, Trump got 42% of the vote, blowing everyone else away. Biden came in second with 21%, making me question the mentality of 21% of the people they polled. Obama had 17%, Bernie Sanders 5%, Nikki Haley 5%, Mitt Romney at 3%, and poor Hillary at only 2%. I suspect with Hillary's poor showing, there might be a few Rasmussen employees that might be committing suicide in the upcoming months, totally unbeknownst to them. 75% of the Republican polled voted for Trump. He also won among moderate voters, unaffiliated voters, whatever the hell they are, and even women. That was unbelievable that he did better with women. 749 voters isn't a lot, but Rasmussen believes it is to be a good sample of voters in the next election. You know, given at those poll numbers, that kind of makes you wonder about all the negative media quotes about Trump. Speaking of something liberals won't like, CNN has a new boss named Mark Thompson. At the head of CNN since just last October, he has vowed to cut anchors' salaries at the fledgling network by a whopping 50 million bucks. People such as Anderson Cooper making $20 million a year, Wolf Blitzer at $15 million, Jake Tapper at $8.5 million, and Chris Wallace at $8 million are going to take substantial pay cuts. One wonders why those folks were paid that much money, given that there are more employees working at CNN than our actual customers. Okay, that's not really that bad, but they do have a lower 
ratings than the History Channel and INSP, which broadcast Western television. If I'm an advertiser at CNN and learn that they are cutting salaries, the first thing I would want to know is, how much is Mr. Thompson making? That figure has not been disclosed, although it was reported he made about $7.1 million at his last gig with the New York Times. Surely he didn't go to CNN making less money. The second thing I would want to know is how much they are dropping my advertising costs. Disturbingly, when I researched this article, I learned Rachel Maddow has paid $30 million per year to spew her lies at MSNBC. Just like a post-turtle, one has to wonder how in the hell she got there. Hey, were you as sickened from the NFL and CBS allowing coverage of a so-called Black National Anthem, whatever the hell that is. Evidently, there is a group of blacks that feel the song Lift Every Voice and Sing represents blacks in the United States. Rather than the standard Star Spangled Banner, the song the other 87 plus, plus percent of us the country cherishes. In a pregame performance, somebody named Andre Day sang the song for the Super Bowl, which has been adopted by the NAACP. This is the kind of crap that keeps racism alive in this country. With all the nationalities that make up this grand melting pot in this country, why should one race of people have their own damn anthem separate from the rest of us? As the account in Wokeness stated, if you have a problem with the American national anthem, Feel free to leave. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. There is not two national anthems in any country. There is only room for one. Lift Every Voice is just another song about struggle and strife, no different than hundreds of thousands of other songs in existence. But there is only one national anthem, and Lift Every Voice ain't it, folks. Several blacks went on social media to explain why it is considered a black national anthem. They prattled on what the song means to black folks struggling against slavery. They need to be reminded that there is nobody alive today that was a slaveholder and nobody alive today that is a slave. I can't say I enjoyed much about the musical entertainment from the past Super Bowl. I'm not a fan of Usher and his stage buddies, nor their kind of music. Didn't see many white people up on that stage either with Usher. I would imagine that statement makes me a racist. Having said that, I was impressed by Usher's guitarist, a black girl that is known professionally as Her. She claims Her, H-E-R, is an acronym for having everything revealed whatever the hell that means. But she strutted that guitar on stage with some amazing, impressive riffs, reminiscent of Prince. By the way, her real name is Gabriella Wilson. Nice enough name. Also, a shout-out to Reba McIntyre on her wonderful rendition of the real national anthem. I'm not much of a fan of country-western music either, 
but Reba stood up there proud of her country and belted out a great rendition. It is said it will go down as one of the best renditions in history. By now, you've probably heard about that absurd ruling where Trump was ordered to pay $355 million in damages and his company was barred from doing business in New York for three years. His two sons were also ordered to pay $4 million each and were also barred from doing business in New York for one year. This is the result of a ridiculous civil fraud case brought by the racist New York Attorney General Letitia James. She actually campaigned just to get Trump. The case went before the loony judge Arthur Ngoran, and he used a 70-year-old ruling that had never been used before for someone who has done no harm to anyone. Trump may have very well overestimated his properties. Businesses do that a lot. But his supposed crime was completely victimless. Nobody got hurt. The lenders all got their money repaid and with interest. The entire case was nothing but liberals looking under rocks to see if they can stop Trump. The biggest loser is the city of New York, who did very well doing business with the Trump family. The case will be won on appeal before a more honest judge. Judge Gorin should be forced into retirement for being biased. Speaking of Trump, which I know I do often, he's leading in all the polls, and if he doesn't get thrown in prison or shot, he is likely to be our next president. So along comes the World Health Organization Director General Tedros Ghebreyesus to issue a dire warning Disease X outbreak is a matter of when, not if. According to a recent WHO press release, Disease X is a hypothetical placeholder virus that has not yet formed, but scientists say it could be 20 times deadlier than COVID-19. Tedros, I'm using his first name as I can't pronounce that damn last name, stated the world is not prepared for a new pandemic. Because of that, he wants a global treaty by May, and no, this is not a power play by a WHO, according to Tedros. They don't know what the disease is, or where it will come from, or have a name for it, or a vaccine for it, but by God, they know it'll be 20 times greater than COVID. I guess we shouldn't go out of the house anymore. This sounds more like a warning about Trump taking the presidency. The deep state and the new world order can again unleash a monster disease on us to keep Trump from doing anything but fighting the damn disease. This is pretty much what they did with COVID, giving him bad advice and leading the country to go another $7 trillion in debt. Tedros was not highly thought of at the time of COVID because of his ties and loyalties to China. Evidently, we will start seeing a deadly virus warning anytime the world doesn't like our potential presidents. Get this. London, England's mayor, Sadiq Khan, has gotten in some hot water. He decided there would not be an art piece installed in Trafalgar Square honoring Queen Elizabeth II. 
The queen, as you know, died in 2022. And there are three other statues of her in town. The queen has lost out to an art piece of the faces of, are you ready? 850 transgender prostitutes. I kid you not. It will cost about $1.2 million and be installed in August of this year. It will be there for at least six months, and it will knock the Queen's project on ice until at least 2030. What kind of world are we living in? Twelve Jeffrey Epstein victims have filed a lawsuit against the FBI for allegedly failing to investigate the sex trafficking ring they claim is for the elite. The claim states the crimes go back as far back as the 1990s. It is further claimed Epstein's penchant for teenage girls was well known in the high societies of Palm Beach, Florida, and Manhattan, New York, but was completely disregarded by the crooked FBI, despite the fact they have collected footage from Epstein's Palm Beach house. Yes, he recorded them. I hope those girls win that case against the FBI, and the money is to be taken directly from their current budget, not siphoned off with taxpayer money. And then their budget is not increased. Further, when are we, the great unwashed, going to see that list of pedophiles? Weber's Whipping Post will be right back. A.N. Weber Incorporated is a proud sponsor of Weber's Whipping Post. Now in their 76th year, Weber has offices in Kankakee, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, El Paso, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Whether you're looking for company equipment to haul your dry van or flatbed freight or logistic services for all types of freight or even a career in driving, maintenance, or sales, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235. You can also apply online at anweber.com. Weber has immediate openings for drivers in all areas and mechanical technicians in Kankakee, Illinois, and El Paso, Texas. Weber is also looking for logistics agents across the country. Again, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235 or apply online at anweber.com. And now, back to Weber's Whipping Post. Okay, I'm going to call this next section, Evidently America Doesn't Have That Much Talent. The missus and I have been recording and watching America's Got Talent this year and many years in the past. We've been longtime watchers of the show. The other night we were watching an episode, and something occurred to me. The show is called America's Got Talent, and their logo uses our red, white, and blue colors. This would seem to me that they are showcasing some of the most unheralded but talented acts in the country. Notice I said our country. If you are not familiar with the show, they have four judges this year appraising the talent. Two are British, one is Canadian, and the other German. In other words, none of the judges are American. I recalled last year the judges' lineup was the same except they had an attractive young lady from South America rather than the extra Brit. Names are really not important here. 
it's important to notice that none of the judges are American. Liam C. is an American, but he does not judge. There are, at the time of putting this podcast together, 10 acts remaining in the competition. Only five of the remaining acts are from America. The rest come from the Philippines, India, South Africa, England, and Tanzania. So I ask you, what is so American about America's Got Talent? Are we really that bereft of talent? Since everybody on the show seems to hold the narcissistic judge, Simon Cowell, in such high regard, often deferring to him, I have to wonder if he has some sort of hard-on toward actual American Yankees. I don't think I want to watch that show anymore. J.D. Vance, an Ohio congressman and author, is warning fellow Republican congressmen that the Ukraine aid package would lead to yet another Trump impeachment if Trump is the winner in the next election. The Ukraine aid package assures funding through September of 2025, a fact conveniently left out of most news coverage. I'll bet you didn't know that either. Trump has stated that he will end the war in Ukraine within 24 hours of taking office, which would eliminate the need for continued aid unless the next president authorizes for the money to continue for rebuilding Ukraine. Vance states in a memo to colleagues that the deep state intends to undermine Trump's efforts to stop the war and to charge him with breaking the law should he stop the aid. More political gamesmanship on our dime, folks. In his 74 years on Earth, Sir Brian has earned quite a few substantial awards. In 2005, the Brit was appointed as commander of the most excellent order of the British Empire for his charity work. He earned a Ph.D. degree in astrophysics from Imperial College in London in 2007. From 2008 to 2013, he was a chancellor of Liverpool John Moores University. As impressive as these accolades are, there is more. Sir Brian was a science team collaborator with NASA's New Horizons Pluto mission and is a co-founder of the awareness campaign for Asteroid Day. He has an asteroid named after him, 52665 Brian. In 2023, Sir Brian contributed to NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission, which is the agency's first successful collection and delivery of samples directly from an asteroid. An animal activist, the man has even been knighted by King Charles III again for his charity. One would think there was quite a list of accomplishments for one man, but incredibly, there's more, much more. You see, Sir Brian is Brian May, the lead guitarist, occasional piano player, and a songwriter for one of the world's most successful rock bands, Queen. He co-founded Queen along with Freddie Mercury and Roger Taylor. May wrote the hits We Will Rock You and Fat Bottom Girls, as well as other songs for the band. Guitar World magazine ranks May as the second greatest guitarist ever 
and he was introduced into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. The band also received a Grammy for Lifetime Achievement in 2018. May even built his own guitar known as the Red Special, which gives him a distinctive sound. Even though Queen broke apart after the death of Freddie Mercury, Sir Brian has continued to tour and record with other bands as well as perform studio recordings for a virtual who's who of famous rock bands. He has also done some of the work for a movie soundtracks, such as Spider-Man 2 as one example, and even played guitar on an opera album. He's appeared in American Idol as a guest picker with both winner Chris Allen and runner-up Adam Lambert. And if all that is not enough, he wrote a historical book, A Village Lost and Found, Scenes in Our Other Book. The book contains an annotated collection of stereoscopic photos taken in the Victorian era. He co-wrote two other books on the universe. In fact, Brian May has had so many achievements, I got tired of writing about them. The list is truly that long. Some of this information I knew about Maine was always astounded at his accomplishments. When I researched him for this podcast, I was even more amazed at the man's accomplishments. Brian May has another distinction. He has long, curly, gray hair. Humorously, astronomer Royal Reese said of Sir Brian, I don't know a scientist who looks as much like Isaac Newton as you do. Newton, too, was an astronomer with many other capabilities. Their similar appearance is astonishing. A media source called 24-7 Wall Street, which I learned has nothing to do with the Wall Street Journal, has come up with a list of every state's worst city to live in. They rank the cities by the quality of life score made up of conditions like poverty, crime, unemployment, services, and several others. It's stated that the U.S. is the wealthiest country in the world, but yet 41 million people, 13% of the population, live below the poverty line. Well, naturally, this piqued my interest to see what town in Illinois made the list. I figured it had to be Chicago. In Illinois, they stated Cahokia is the worst city to live in. Their poverty rate is an incredible 35% compared to the state's rate of 12%. The median home value is $41,000 compared to the state average of $213,000. The median household income is only $31,000 compared to the $73,000 the state averages. And worse, the drug-induced mortality is 37 deaths per 100,000 compared to the state's 27. Cahokia is in southern Illinois on the Mississippi River near St. Louis. We used to all freight in there. It was established all the way back in 1689 as a Catholic mission. It is the home to the Cahokia Mounds Historical Site and has a population of 12,440 folks. Conversely, the town of Bannockburn in northwestern Chicago is rated the best town to live in in Illinois. As a matter of fact, the top 25 Illinois towns to live in are all in what would be considered Chicago suburbs. I was disappointed to see that Shabantz, where I'm from, 
did not make the list of best towns to live in. Congratulations are in order to Iowa baller Caitlin Clark, now the NCAA's women's all-time scorer. The six-foot point guard set the record last Thursday while playing Michigan. She surpassed Washington's Casey Plum with Iowa's first nine points in the game, going on to score 49 for the night. She is now only 99 points behind the all-time NCAA Division I leader for both men and women. That, of course, would be Pistol Pete Maravich, who had 3,667 points. Number 22 at Iowa is the only Division I player to have over 3,000 points and 1,000 assists. Clark received her first letter of intent to play college ball, get this, before she was in the seventh grade. Just last January, an autographed trading card of Clark sold for $78,000. She's expected to go first in the WNBA draft to a lucky Indiana Fever basketball team, although they're going to have to come up with the money to pay her. Speaking of congratulations, kudos in the U.S. House of Representatives who finally got around to impeaching the incompetent Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, by just one vote. Really, one vote. Mayorkas is the first cabinet member to be impeached in 150 years. The last one was William Belknap, the Secretary of War under Grant, for being involved in a kickback scheme. The bill will now meander over to the Senate for a vote where it's expected to die, thus wasting all our time and money. Awareness of my novel, Romeo Way, is gaining momentum, folks. It will be featured in the Reedsy Discovery book launch on February 26th, as well as Book Mad. While these sites are probably only known to authors and librarians, it is a mark of a successful promotion to have them included. And we are prepared to attend the Tucson Book Festival the 8th and 9th of March, a show that will attract 150,000 people in the business of books. I'm stoked. Unless you've been living under a rock, you must be aware there are major issues at our southern border. At the same time, we are financing a war in Ukraine fighting another war in the Middle East, struggling under Bidenomics, fearing China will grab onto Taiwan, and evidently white supremacists are plotting to take over our country. Gee, thanks, Biden voters. To make matters worse, California is about to slide into the ocean. Tucker Carlson ran off to Russia to make nice with Vladimir Putin. Toby Keith died. And Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey stories are burying us. They are the shiny things we are supposed to notice while political gamesmanship continues. Politicians in Washington play partisan politics over America's biggest concern, the invasion by illegal immigrants at our southern border. We are being besieged, folks. This is not some humanitarian issue that some would like us to believe. It's an attack by foreign countries invading us. The numbers are now in excess of 300,000 people per month and climbing. It's insanity we're allowing this. 
Countries worldwide are sending us their criminals, their terrorists, their poor, and most curiously, young men of military age. They bring with them drugs that kill our kids, terrorists, and diseases we long thought were exterminated. Joe Biden mumbled, House Republicans have to decide. Do they want to solve the problem? Who do they want to keep playing politics with the border? I've made my decision. I'm ready to solve the problem. Bull, Joe. This statement is political gamesmanship by whoever makes up the statements they slide under Biden to read. Think about this, folks. Biden is suing Texas to prevent Texas from enforcing the border. To what end? Section 212.1 of the 1952 Immigration and Nationality Act allows the president to close the border. President Eisenhower did it. Then, when left-wing bureaucrats hunkered down with their left-leaning judges to use the court system to override the president's mandate, the president could get around them by ordering a travel ban, as Trump did. Illegals are overriding the capabilities of the so-called sanctuary cities to house and feed the people. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is gifting them. I don't feel sorry for those Democrat cities one bit. Put up or shut up. New York City Mayor Eric Adams thinks so highly of his illegals that he's giving them access to public schools and gyms, plus credit cards, all at taxpayer expense. Illegals are so grateful that they are beating cops, attacking elderly women, and giving a finger to the media's cameras. Our emissary, evidently now Dr. Phil, returned from the border recently to offer his two cents, claiming he talked to experts, whoever that is, who stated the actual number of illegals illegally entering since Biden took office is closer to 14 million, not the 6 million reported by the media and Biden. Phil told Sean Hannity the experts state they don't need more resources, officers, money, or legislation. They only need to be allowed to follow the laws on the books, and the problem would go away overnight. You might want to hear that last sentence again. The problem would go away overnight. Phil also said, illegal immigrants recognize uniform differences the officers wear at the border. When approaching a brown uniformed officer, the Texas Department of Public Safety, they get arrested before being booted back to Mexico. Now, if they run into a green-uniformed federal agent, they get money, a court date, 10 years down the road, and allowed to enter our country. Illegals hide from the brown officers, but run to the green officers. You know, we must look like damn fools to them. A border bill before Congress that was going to pass probably won't pass anytime soon now because Trump came out against it. I'm having trouble ascertaining if his lack of support is an election advantage issue, as the media would have us believe, or what is being attached to the bill under our nose is for more taxpayer money shipped to Ukraine and Israel. This gives everybody a reason to point a finger at everybody else, yell for the camera while nothing gets done on our behalf. By the way, that bill would only have cost us schmucks 
$118 billion to add on to our $34 trillion debt. Republicans and Democrats are split within their own parties over the new illegal immigration bill. I suspect they are taking the temperature of how it will affect their re-election chances. In more congressional pathetic failure, they split evenly on impeaching the Cuban-born DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas the first time. Regardless of the eventual results, consider the complete failure of both the border and the Mayorkas issue. It's ludicrous we pay for this circus. Biden could stop the insanity tomorrow. In the time it took to write or do this podcast, another 702 illegal immigrants lay siege upon our country. Hey, I got a call out for sponsors. Have you ever thought about advertising your business on a podcast? My podcast is an inexpensive way to get your product out before the public. So far, I have generated over 6,700 downloads. Email me at aweber1957 at gmail if you would like to sign up. You can write your own ad or I'll do it for you at no expense. That's all I got for you, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now. Bye now.